Good morning. The Old Testament lesson is from the book of Leviticus, chapter 20, verses 22 to 26. It's on page 187 in your pew Bibles. Hear the word of the Lord. Keep all my decrees and laws and follow them, so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. You must not live according to the customs of the nations I am going to drive out before you. Because they did all these things, I abhorred them. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has set you apart from the nations. You must therefore make a distinction between clean and unclean animals and between clean and unclean birds. Do not defile yourselves by any animal or bird or anything that moves along the ground. Those I have set apart as unclean for you. You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and have set you apart from the nations to be my own. The New Testament lesson is from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 to 25. In your pew Bibles, it's on page 1887. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father, who judges each person's work impartially. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass." And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Here into the reading. May the Lord write these words upon our hearts with love and with understanding. Praise be to God. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, you alone are holy, and you alone can make us holy. So we pray as we worship today that you would fill us with the fire of your love that purifies, renews, refreshes, and sets us apart for service to you. Be with us now, we pray, in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. How many of you have maybe maybe in January... As part of a New Year's resolution, you have uh, determined that you're going to read through the Bible in, a, in the year. 
Any of you ever done that? Okay, be honest. How many of you have ever done that? All right, some of you. Okay. And how many of you have, you know, really, Genesis is interesting, right? Oh, I mean, there's some salacious stuff in there, and it's this story of creation and Adam and Eve, and then Abraham and uh, the patriarchs and Joseph. That's kind of interesting, right? How many of you have made it through Genesis when you try to read your Bible in your reading plan? All right. And then you get to Exodus, and Exodus kind of is really exciting. Moses and the Exodus, the liberation out of Egypt. Oh, and that's, that's really interesting. And you get to know about Moses and his life and the people wandering through the promised land. And you think, how can these idiots take 40 years to travel like 20 miles? What's going on? Come on, just get Siri to work on your phones. You can get there. So how many of you have made it through Exodus? All right. And then how many of you get to Leviticus and get really excited? Rick, you and I are on the same wavelength. <clears throat> Most folks I know, and in fact, there's some folks from St. Paul's. We were doing this reading through the Bible in one year. We made a Facebook group and people check in. The most complaints were when we got to Leviticus. What's with all these rules and all these laws and all of this genealogy? It gets so bogged down. This is so boring. How many of you, in your very sincere attempt to read through the Bible in a year, get to Leviticus and kind of... Kind of lose steam. I appreciate the honest ones here in church because I know that's most of us. There you go, right? Some of this stuff is really hard to understand. So Leviticus is actually one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. Because Leviticus helps us understand the New Testament and what Christ has done for us and the covenant And Leviticus really is all about this word. Are you ready? Leviticus is all about holiness. It's all about holiness. If you listen to what Nelson read in that section of Leviticus, after there's all these do's and don'ts of things that you can wear and things that you can't wear and things you can eat and things you can't eat and places you can go and places you can't go, Leviticus, and listen for our definition for holiness. Because we're moving through this sermon series of distinctives of our movement, of the Wesleyan movement, of which United Methodists are a part of that family tree that traces its roots back to John and Charles Wesley. And one of the core doctrinal concepts and core concepts for Christian living that the Wesley brothers promoted is holiness. And we find a beautiful definition of holiness in Leviticus 20. Listen to this again. You must not live according to the customs of the nations I'm going to drive out before you. A little bit further down, he writes, I am the Lord your God who has set you apart. Sometimes when we think of holiness, we can get caught up in what Leviticus details for us. All these rules, all these regulations, all these things that are to govern this people that God has called out. But it's all for a purpose. Leviticus isn't just some arbitrary rule book of rules that, you know, God woke up in a bad mood one morning and decided, I'm going to give these people a list of things they can't do. God called out a people. That's really what... The book of Exodus is all about a people being called out from slavery 
and we can read literal and spiritual slavery in that, takes them into a land, sets them apart to be different from all the people around them. Holiness in Hebrew literally means that, set apart. It's something different. It's not just different on the exterior. It just doesn't just act and behave differently. But at the core, there's something different, something set apart. And God is looking for and cultivating a people who would be so different from the pagan people groups all around them. And that's what the book of Leviticus shows us, is that God is working with and developing and cultivating a holy people. Now, in the book of Leviticus, there are 613 rules for being holy and being set apart. And do you think that the people could keep all of those rules all the time? No. And to some extent, that's exactly the point. You see, Leviticus is also a preparatory book. It prepares us for something that's coming later. You see, last week we looked at grace. Grace that the power of God that is conveyed upon an individual as a free gift to bring them to conviction and repentance and justification and sanctification. And it is only when one allows the grace of God into their life to allow it to work can they then become set apart and holy. So there is something about holiness that speaks to um, uh, a deep change in us. Uh, uh, to use a fancy philosophical word, an ontological change. Something in our very being that moves beyond the externals. But something at our very core that is different, that is set apart. And it's because of what Christ has done for us that when we receive the grace of Christ... We are, just like Paul said, it is no longer we who live, it is no longer I who live, it is what? Christ who lives in me. That affects that deep change at the very center of our being. But that's not all holiness is or should be. You see, the people of God, all these rules and regulations we find for the Israelites in Leviticus wasn't just so that they would do things differently from the people around them, or they would stand out in a crowd, it was so that they would start to, by the way they lived, start to reflect back to the world around them a God who is wholly other and different and pure and good and righteous. You see, the holiness is not just for the people's sake but it's also for the sake of others. By being set apart, by being different, they could be that light to the nations around them. They could be the salt of the earth. They could be different. And yet we find all through the Old Testament, the people continually cannot live up to their end of this holiness covenant. You see, we looked over the summer of this concept of covenant where God enters into a relationship with these people and God says, all right, I'm going to do this for you and you're going to do this for me. And God is constantly and continually faithful. God always upholds his end of the covenant. 
But what do you think about the people? Are they constantly faithful? Are they always holy, set apart in what they say and do and how they live? Not at all. They can't measure up. They need someone who can do for them what they could not do for themselves. And Jesus is the one. The Messiah, the one who comes into the world, who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You see, because it's not about our ability to work and to measure up and to try to be a good Christian and to do things on our own so that maybe one day we can be accepted. If that's your paradigm, if that's your perspective of the Christian life, you've got it all wrong. It's not about what we do. It's allowing Christ to do through us. Because we can't do on our own. That's the whole point. We can't. We on our own, left to ourselves, will never be holy. We will never be set apart. We will never be pure. We will never be good enough. That is partially the point of Leviticus. It's the narrative strands, a strand string that we see all through the Old Testament. People left on their own trying to measure up, trying to do good, trying to be right, can never quite get it. We need someone who through what he has done for us, when we receive that grace, sets us apart and allows us to be different. So holiness affects a change in us. It changes who we are. As the great hymn said, there are ways that we can cultivate holiness. We can pray, we can read scripture, we come to the table of the Lord where we receive grace and help for every time of need. All of that is true. But holiness also, listen to what 1 Peter says. Holiness is not just for us. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, in other words, now that you are set apart and holy, love one another deeply from the heart. See, friends, that's what holiness is all about. There's a principle that we find in all of Scripture, and that is when we are given a gift of grace, we don't hoard it for ourselves. We're meant to give it away. Our lives, Jesus said, find true meaning when it's a life given away for other people. And that is a life of holiness. Because, friends, when we're holy, when we allow ourselves to constantly be set apart by God's Spirit that works in us and through us as we are now His very dwelling, His temple, when we allow Him to do that, He starts to change our values our perspectives, our needs, our wants, our desires. When we start to see other people, we're moved by love and compassion for them. We start to develop greater empathy and care. We start to care about the things that God cares about and not so much the things that we might like or desire. Holiness sets us apart, changes our condition, brings us as a people who are called out from the world, but then pushes us back into the world. You see, that's the tension that the church lives in. Ekklesia, that great Greek word for church, means the called out ones. 
But in the process of being called out, set apart, being made holy, we're then called to go back into the world, to live differently, to be an example for what Christ can do in the life of an individual. That is what God called the Israelites to do. They were set apart so that when they went back out, they would be markedly different. And it's the same for us. God wants people who are different, set apart, holy, made pure by His Spirit, vessels who are His very dwelling place. As John Wesley said, when we give our heart wholly, fully, completely to God, then he can start to work with us and work in us and through us. And it is no longer we who live. It is Christ who lives in us. Amen? Amen. Amen.